So welcome to the Ask the Pastor uh, uh, Lunch and Learn uh, that we're doing today. And I got a couple of questions that I want to deal with. The first one deals with women uh, uh, and ministry or women in ministry. Uh, the second one is going to deal with the role of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And which one came first? This was came from a uh, uh, someone said their daughter asked this question. Uh, um, who came first, the chicken or the egg? Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? So we're going to dig into that a little bit uh, uh, based upon time. So... The, the, the question about should women wear pants and it being an abomination, it, it comes from Deuteronomy 22 and 5. It says, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. So now, uh, uh, and I don't know about you, but I grew up in the old school holiness and uh, I mean like the real old school holiness and, and nobody know what I'm talking about where women couldn't wear pants women didn't wear makeup you know we thought if women wear makeup she was Jezebel and and women couldn't wear pants my sisters uh, uh, they couldn't wear pants I mean literally they would have to go to school when in gym class they had to wear long skirts we would go to the beach they had long skirts on at the beach they, they couldn't wear no shorts no pants none of that kind of stuff and and that's how I grew up um, that women should not wear pants. And um, I know that that still exists. I, I don't even like women wearing pants when they're preaching and ministering or, 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 or ministering in front of the crowd, really based upon that premise. Now, um, uh, um, and, um, you know, we grew up, you know, you couldn't show, but so much ladies, you couldn't show, you know, you got to keep everything covered up and, and, uh, you know, uh, they wanted, they said, you got to be holy. You got to look holy. You got to be holy. But I figured out that some of the people was looking holy, but they was far from it. Okay. Stop. Pastor Will. <laughs> uh, uh, Linda says, pastor, please tell the ladies that just because they wear their dresses to their ankles, carry a Bible 24 seven and say, praise the Lord in every other sentence that they are no more saved than me uh, in my, uh, I guess you go say body something dresses. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? That's what the church used to do though. Seriously, we put so much focus on how we looked, how we danced, how we spoke in tongues. You know, you got to look holy. You got to look holy. The Bible says, be ye holy. Come out from among them and, and be ye holy. Uh, the, the, the Bible also tells us to go into the world and, and, and baptize them. And if we look weird and strange, I don't think they're they going to think we're crazy. Uh, but I digress. But but you're right, Linda, that that that, you know, your, your, your attire has nothing to do with your walk with Christ. Your holiness has nothing to do with your walk in Christ. You know, just because you look like you've been sucking on lemons for 31 straight days with a long dress and nappy hair don't mean that you save. OK, stop. Because some of them people, they was just as wicked. Uh, they, they was fornicating. They're doing all kind of stuff. But they look holy, though. Uh, uh, but let me digress back into this question. Uh, uh, because it is in scripture about a woman not wearing that which pertained to a man and vice versa. We couldn't grow up, no makeup, uh, uh, pants, nail, polish, earrings, lip gloss, nothing, skirt below knees. Oh yeah, Ebony, that's exactly how we grew up as well. And uh, my sister dealt with the brunt of that. 
Um, but let, let me be real clear. First, you got to understand when doing proper interpretation, and I teach this in my ministers and training class, if you really want to learn how to interpret scripture properly, uh, I will encourage you to join our ministers in training class. But uh, uh, in exegeting and hermeneutics, one of the things that you learn about interpreting scripture is you got to deal with questions like who and why and when and what. You got to understand the historical context of what you're reading. So uh, um, now, if, if I was to look at this scripture uh, uh, just generally, it has nothing to do with pants. It has everything, however, to do with, especially when it says a woman shouldn't wear what belongs to a man, the man should wear what belongs to a woman. Well, clearly they couldn't have been talking about pants because I doubt very seriously back in uh, um, 4,000 years ago that what they called men attire and women attire was completely different than what we have today. I don't even know if they wore pants back then. Maybe they had some, you know, garb that they put over themselves and all of that. And, and, and maybe the man's was blue and the woman's was pink. I don't know. But obviously they made a distinction between male and female. But I doubt it was a pair of Levi's. Okay, stop, Pastor Will. I doubt that it was a miniskirt. But it was apparel. So we took it to the extreme and said women can't wear pants because we assumed that pants belong to a man. What this really was dealing with is a man shouldn't dress up to look like a woman. A woman shouldn't dress up to look like a man. And so that gets into stuff like uh, transvestites and, and, and uh, divas and uh, all of that kind of crazy stuff. But again, I digress. The premise of that passage, however, is based upon something about who was it written to, why was it written to them, when was it written to them, because before you can apply it to yourself, you got to understand it for that time period. And I'm certain the way I just described it was that time period. So it has nothing to do with men because there are women pants. Are you with me? There are guys in uh, Scotland that wear kilts. I don't think they're called women kilts. I think they're just called kilts. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, um, and so you've got to put things in this proper context, understand the history, understand when, where, and why, who was it written to, and then finally you say, does that now apply to us? And that is a significant point. Uh, uh, because especially when we talk about women in general, because there's a lot of rules that we've put on women. Women shouldn't be, should, women should be quiet in the church. Women should not speak. They should not prophesy. They should not teach. And there are passages that say that. But again, if you go and study the history and the context and so on and so forth, there's a lot of deeper meanings there. It had to do with authority and a woman being in subjection to her husband. It also had to do with, uh, uh, and that was primarily the reason why some of those things were said, but it wasn't to say that a woman couldn't teach or shouldn't teach, uh, but a woman should not usurp authority over the male. Uh, but, but, but you got to think about this. Why would God give a woman the gift to teach and then come back and say, don't teach? <laughs> See, y'all ain't working with me. Why would a God give a woman the ability to prophesy and then when she go to church to exercise her gift, we say, don't you do that prophesying up in here. Uh, 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 does that make any sense, you all? Does it make any sense? 
Now, yes, it has something to do with authority and subjection, uh, uh, but clearly God wasn't telling a woman half of this population. And if you look at the modern church, 90% of the church population, boy, We'd be in trouble if the women couldn't speak in tongues, the women couldn't prophesy, if the women couldn't teach, because we'd be sitting around waiting on that old deacon on the sideline with gray hair, half drunk, talking about, well, you got something from the Lord? That ninja ain't even half saved. Okay, stop, Pastor Will. Stop, 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 stop. But I'm preaching anyway. Uh, 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 so... Uh, you got to understand the historical context, the role of women during that time versus the role of women during this time. And, and uh, uh, you, you know, uh, one, 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 one interpreter said that it was because the, 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 the men, you know, which were, uh, um, you know, we were, they're in a very male-dominated society at that time. So let's keep that in mind. But in addition to that, uh, uh, and I already talked about the authority piece. But in a male-dominated society, all the men would be up front. The women would be in the back. And so what was happening, the women was like, what are y'all talking about? What are you saying? And, and, and Paul said, y'all be quiet. Your husband will tell you what I said when you get home. So there's a lot of different stuff out there. So again, you got to go back to how does this apply to us today? How does it apply to us today? Here's what I want you all to get. When you read in the Old Testament, most of those commandments are what is called the law, the Levitical law, the law. Uh, uh, and so these were things that were given to Moses or to the Levites in terms of how the children of Israel, thou shalt not eat shrimp. You know, well, we eat shrimp, ain't we? Uh, uh, thou, thou shalt not wear mixed weave clothing. Well, y'all wearing all kind of stuff, aren't you? Um, so again, Romans 8 says this. And, 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 and when you're dealing with the Old Testament and Levitical law, such as uh, what to eat and uh, what to wear and what a woman should or should not and understanding the proper context, one of the things you got to remember is that we're no longer living under the law. We're living under grace. I want y'all to hear me. It's not that the law does not matter because it does. Jesus said, uh, 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 think not that I came to destroy the law or the prophets, he said, I am come to, I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill the law. And so the question is, how did Christ fulfill these laws? So if there's all these Levitical laws and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this and you can't do that, why would Christ come to fulfill them? He didn't come to destroy them. He didn't say that they don't matter. He came to fulfill them. What does fulfill the law? And I know I'm digressing a little bit or not digressing. I'm really digging a little bit deeper into this uh, because I want you all to understand and don't get caught up. Well, what about the tattoos and what about this and what about that? Always remember, saints, we do not live under the law. We live under grace because the law is fulfilled under grace. Now, what that essentially means is Christ came not to get rid of the law, but he became the embodiment or the fulfillment of it. And what do I mean by the fulfillment? Man actually couldn't fulfill those laws. We tried and we tried and we just messed up and we messed up. To the day, we still mess up. And so when we were trying to live by the law, we were trying to live by something that was ceremonial and we couldn't. We would fail all the time. So Christ came. He led a perfect life, became the fulfillment 
fulfillment of that law and then said, here's what I want you to do because I'm going to cover you in everything else. Not that you should sin. Shall, man, shall we continue to sin? The grace may be on God forbid. But I want you to understand that grace does cover you. Listen to a brother right here, because that's what Christ did. He fulfilled everything that man could not do and then gave us two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. When you love God and love your neighbor, God, Christ covers all the rest of that stuff. When you love God and love your neighbor, the law is fulfilled. Uh, uh, God's standards uh, have not changed, but you and I cannot obtain them in our own strength. We need help. We need grace. We need mercy. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the word. We need the power of God. Uh, uh, and even after all of that, we still mess up and therefore grace covers us. But, 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 which brings me to this second question that uh, uh, a daughter of one of you all asked is, well, explain the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. She said, who came first? Uh, 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 she said, who came first, the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost? And when did they come? You know, it's like the old classic chicken or the egg. Which one came first, the chicken or the egg? I said, well, the chicken came first. Well, where did the chicken come from? It had to come from an egg. Uh, then, okay, where well, the egg came first? Well, where did the egg come from? It had to come from the chicken. Okay, stop, Pastor Will. <laughs> but, 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 but. You think about the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so you have to make a paradigm shift to understand the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Although those terminologies are used, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you cannot think about it as the way humans think about it in terms of you start with the Father, he has a seed that goes to the mother and produces a son. You can't think about it that way. Mm. So how should I think about it? 